0: hi Jen hi so how many how many participants or company members do you currently work with um, and how long have they been with the company working with yourself
1: Mm, that's interesting we've got 11 trainee actors um, and two of them are founder members of the company so they've been in it as long as I have Um, and that's so since 2000 they were in the research and development in 2011 then a num- two more joined in 2015 when we were making Kosoku, and then we recruited um, the two, four the rest of the rest seven six of them came to actor training when that started in 2017. And interestingly, we have had a new recruit during lockdown, but it was a very talented young man who was in our community group um, wanted to do more and um his mom said can he come he was due to come to actor training he'd auditioned and he was due to start in september and in april his mom said can he come because nothing else is happening there's nothing else for him to do We said yeah great come over so he joined then uh, but he had been in the community group so there's another 12 i think currently it fluctuates between 10 and 12 in the community group on a wednesday the hub and again some people have been with us for years some people are a bit, little bit newer so there's always a kind of a core and then others may start in the community group and then move into the actor training um and that's been the training has been quite consistent so so the that's the third year has been completed online third year of training so we're now moving into sort of developing professional practice with the actors that have done that so we're looking at how we prepare cvs and you know how do we present ourselves how do we audition um and looking for different opportunities that something's that's coming up potentially with derby theater and also with Dada learning different skills as well as acting like all of us we have to multitask there's few of us that sort of just walk into one job in the arts so learning different skills such as facilitating and teaching um front of house stage management lighting and tech so that everybody starts to build those different skills to lean on or to use within the ensemble or outside um, but yeah back to the numbers we also have we, we work with schools and organizations were part of the derby reimagine send Hub, and we've been doing work online as well with them with the five special needs schools and um i think we've had about a reach of about 200 on some of our online work you know, the video workshops for the yeah, so it's um, it's gone quite far, the reach has been quite far and wide, which is, which is great. And we still just keep tapping on the doors of those schools and organisations who are struggling. And though so, oh, it's too difficult, it's too complicated, but we've managed to ease a few schools in and say, no, it is okay. It, you know, we can set it up digitally. Um, so... Yeah.
0: And how are those two groups structured differently, so obviously you've got the community group and then the yeah. main ensemble. What's the difference between those two
1: I say that the aims the aims of each group are different. so the community group the hub is um it's still group work, so anybody that comes has a like taster workshop, and the bottom line is um people need to be able to work in a group and to um respond creatively. And if that's if that works then that's great because some people might come and they're not quite ready to work in a group yet so basically the harmony of the group is the most important thing so the hub will work around creative expression and also create performance um, and learn different drama drama and movement techniques big focus on well-being and also the social interaction and social skills that happen that are just implicit with Going, going to work in in a venue and having lunch with somebody and having a chat and a conversation and, um, but the the difference then would be for the trainee actors is that there's again an audition. We're looking for a certain drive, an ambition. It's like yes, I really want to. Do the, yes, I really want to perform. I want to go on tour. And so the commitment is greater. The demands are greater. The rigor is is uh, you know there's more rigor and more discipline as we really work as an ensemble and um, build those physical skills and devising skills so some people are very happy just to to be in the hub that's their right place they love it enjoy it come once a week's perfect and that that might be that that's all they 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 want to do for others they'll say oh that's I've started here I've got used to how it is at up actually I think I'd like to I'd like to really have a go at working at this and making something out of it and you know hopefully going on tour again. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. And yeah.
0: Do the community group work towards a project or an end of something performance how how does that how does that manifest?
1: Yeah. What we normally do is uh in we have two events and called the Hobob Club and um winter one and a summer one. And so the community group will perform at those clubs. And then we may have other mini projects in between those times. We've worked with um, um, Folk 3D and on a mummer's play, and that was shown at St. George's uh, on St. George's Day in Derby. So different opportunities might come in, or we might do a smaller sharing. Um, And again, obviously it's changed this year. So we're figuring out how we share work online with the community group as well. The actors have become quite skilled at that and quite used to it, but we want the community group also to... Have that experience, because the experience of of, of sharing what you 've done and, and having your your work and your successes mirrored back to you is is vital and really important for you know your mirroring your and your self esteem and your, also your learning so it's, um, I think visibility has always been a big big thing for me with Hobob. It's some learning disabled groups, and there's look there are learning disabled drama groups, you know, who do great work, really good work, but sometimes they can just sort of sit in a community center and it's a bit hidden. And it's something that happens, and it's and it's of value. There's no there's, there's definitely a value, but I my what I really wanted to do was to be visible and to be integrated. And I think that performance element is part of that. Being at Dada is part of that, being performing on the street is part of that. We are, we are part of community. We're part of society. And I always remember the first time I went into a special needs school, I'd, I'd just finished my MA, so drama and movement therapy, and I was trying to set up work. And obviously like anything, it takes time. You have to build your connections. I wasn't, I was a teacher. I am a teacher. Um, I didn't want to go back into mainstream teaching, even as supply, you know, to earn some money. But I went into supply as a special needs teacher. And this was in London. And the first school I went into, it was hidden away, hidden away on an an estate. As, As many special needs schools are, you can hardly find them. And I had the most extraordinary day. And I met the most positive, energized, enthusiastic young people and staff. I, I, I remember covering a P PE lesson, people leaping and bounding everywhere, and it was joyous. And I came out thinking, where are these people? I've just been in, a, in this fantastic building, had a, a, a life-changing experience, seen a diverse range of people doing wonderful stuff and really engaging emotionally and interacting with me. Yet when I come out and I go home on the bus and I go into the shops, I don't see anybody. And so it just really it stayed with me all the time. Where where, where where, are learning disabled people being reflected? Where's their place in society? It, we work with St. Martin's School a lot in Derby and um, the wonderful woman on there, she's on the Governor's now, I think she was the PTA or the other way around, I can't remember. She did a She did a piece of research and over 50% of their young people don't engage in anything outside of school, anything. And I know this isn't just about learning disability, this can co- you know, go across many sectors and about, um, you the know, social background and lots of different issues can prevent people from engaging, but that was a big high number. And so for us, we want to say, yes, you're welcome, yes, you are an important part of life, and um, I remember also this word inclusion, very interesting word because I was at hearing I can't remember who was speaking, but the word inclusion came up. It was Rachel Lyons from Frontline dance in Stoke and Trent, and she said, um, who included in what? Who's including who?" It's a really interesting thing, and like we're here, so we'll include you." but that's already setting a status that we have something and, and then we will include you. So integrating I and mean, inclusion is still a useful word in many contexts, but we live in a society full of different people. Non, not, no two people are the same and, but yet we all share feelings, emotions, a need for connection, a need for meaning and purpose, a need for safety, a need for love need for security we all share that no matter who we are and that really has become the the heart of hubbub is the humanness yes we advocate for learning disabled people but really we advocate for humanness and how can we all recognize that we are all different and diverse yet we all share these fundamental struggles and joys of life and in that you know the choice has always been with hubbub not to make work about being learning disabled but to make work about being human in which learning disabled people are integrated into that process and that performance equally and people see that we're all living <laughs> we're all living similar experiences no matter who we are and we just all need slightly different you know, slightly different bits and bobs to help us along. We all do. You might need a bit more space and time. You might need a visual document. I need a bit of quiet every now and again. You know, all of those things. We all need different things. We all have innate human needs, but we're all living on the same planet, in the same community, and we're the same species.
0: What's the age range, firstly, of the company members? And When you mentioned welcoming new members into either group the the company or the community cast or the family how do you make sure everybody's needs and requirements are supported before you start working with them
1: yeah that's that's um that's a good question we when we meet somebody new we would have we meet them in a variety of ways generally word of mouth somebody or somebody phones up and says so and so has told me about hobob." And my son, daughter, or my, the person I work with would like to join. So we send a little form to find out a little bit about them, and then we arrange a meeting. And so we'll have a copper with that person and and a carer, and we'll chat through the form and find out about them, and um, ask a few questions around you know what 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 access needs there are and we tend to find out in that meeting if that person is going to be okay at least for a trial workshop we get a good sense of them um and that's <laughs> that also comes from our observations of somebody or uh, that we're very intuitive as well we get a feel for somebody we get a sense of them and I think that's a big part of our work, which is also incredibly hard online. But we are intuitive and responsive in that way. So we'll have a we'll have a chat, and that same time, we're getting all the date, all the details we need, all the important stuff, the people that we need to contact, any medication, everyone. We're kind of having a nice chat, but we're also filling in all the stuff we need to do, all the gaps. That's it. And then we get invite that person in for a workshop, and then we have a chat afterwards about how was that, and would you like to do it. Would you like to carry on and we we keep it there really and keep an keep an eye on how that person is developing over the first few weeks and if there's any issues we'll contact you know a carer and have a chat so usually if somebody is right for the group they just kind of slot in but obviously we've got all of the safeguarding policies and the health and safety policies and the team are trained and will be trained more actually and this this way of working that we've developed over this time we've we've called it now the Hobob way and we've realized that there is you know there really is a strong practice there about how we make theater how we facilitate theater workshops and and creative practice even this year even further we've been looking at the hubbub way is about about everything we do it's about how we communicate it's how about how we run meetings it's about how the company is structured it's about how we market all of our marketing and so that's become almost a a language and a philosophy for the company um, which I find really exciting because when people come in we can share our values we can share the way that we're doing things. This has all got to be, it's all still very much in process because I haven't written it down or said it. It's just working on it. It's just this, it's just, a have got such an accumulation of ideas. Um, actually, January and February, I will be writing it down and making sure that we've got it, captured it, as well as a documentary that we've made with Adam Robertson from the beginning of the development process of The Drum, which we'll probably talk about in a minute and the hubbub way. So that was um, looking at when we were working with Helen Baggett from Gecko and devising the piece, what was happening in the room? How do we make this room, this rehearsal room, a safe and creative space to be for everybody? And particularly for our learned disabled actors who would not normally have access to a, a rehearsal room. And, you know, the same practice will then filter down into the, the community groups, into the schools groups, and that's the method we run. You know, that's, that's our methodology. And the safety comes through the ritual, a lot of it. The safety and the, um, the ease that the that, that people, so that people feel at ease to create. And we realize that also the ritual that we've created was the reason why we could transfer to online work so easily. Because we had a structure, we knew what we did. When we meet, this is what we do. This music plays, we greet each other in a certain way, we follow a certain warm up, we lead into practice in a certain way, we lead out in a certain way. And there's just structure and routine, and in the safety of that structure and routine, there's then space in between, which is one of our favorite phrases, the space in between to create, but the, but the ritual is the holding space It's the container for that creative process to happen. And we were amazed to see that that transferred onto zoom because we kept the ritual and the routine, the same. And so everybody knew what they were doing, even though they were looking at a screen and looking at little boxes and, um, yeah, that was quite quite mind-blowing, actually. Just go, there it is. It's so anchored in. It's in our bodies. We know what to do. When that music plays, we know what to do, whether you're in your living room or you're in data. That's what happens. Yeah.
0: And you were you were talking about that you've been making a documentary following the creation of what is, I guess, your methodology, the, the hubbub way. How's that all going?
1: Yeah. Well, that was when... Um, we started working on developing a new show um, at the end of i'm going to get my years model at the end of 2019 and we had two intensive rehearsal periods with helen baguette from gecko who was movement collaborator and our physical theater performers that were coming in to work in the integrated ensemble so chris chris yarnell and laura ryder and then Ines Sampao Figurido coming in as a musician, composer, and uh, performer. Because in all of our pieces, we have live music, and the music is created in the process. So the music is our language, in a way, the music is our script. And uh, there's a very finely tuned relationship between the musicians and the actors. Um, and it's, as the work is created, the sounds are created with it. We don't avoid, we don't, we do, do use some words, but the, the, mainly not, you know, it's a, it's a visual and physical. So that what was all happening in the room and Helen was there and we started, and the idea was to document the process all the way through. And Helen had said that the reflection on working with us which she had worked with us briefly once before was that the work was very similar to Gecko. And I thought, wow, flipping heck, crikey, that's a good, that's a lovely thing to say. Thank you very much. Um, but in the, ter- in the way that we embodied, in the way that we held space, in the way that we allowed the creative process to happen with people making, as they call love it, offerings and versions of things and saying yes to things. So, that's where we really start to chat together and think let's we need to document this so the first documentary is focused on the theatre making hubbub way um and i think there might there's a whole series of things we want to do now as well as um i've got a training that i'm going to pilot with our facilitators so it will be a five stage training on how the hubbub way works in terms of um you know the environment and the non-verbal approach and the Um, response and the the communication so that's going to roll out next year as well so it's really exciting time because we've gathered all this experience we've been working with so many different people and all pulling it together and saying right okay let's formulate this not that it will be fixed but it will create a, a framework in which artists and facilitators can find their way so but the, yeah, as I said, the f- first documentary is focused on this process about that happened with the drum and what was happening actually in the devising rehearsal room space, and how we also used um you know how when our actors feed back into a process, it's not always done through words, it will be done through movement or drawing or literally sometimes just a flicker of something when when we're facilitating we are our observation skills and our senses are 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 high on high level so the space is created and so there's never one facilitator we always work with two co-facilitators and then creative enablers who are in the room and we're all observing from different angles and we're all feeling as well what's going on. We're all sensing what's going on and so um as as something happens we might pull out oh well I just saw Amy over there you had a really lovely movement when I said that. What was that movement? And then we might go over and explore that movement. So it's come straight from Amy, but Amy may not have been able to formulate what she was trying to offer in words. So we're just talking another language. We're talking on, you know, visual movement, kinesthetic embodied language. And that, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> no I just say it takes a certain kind of person as well to want to work in that field you know and, and there's no that's no criticism of people who are not but it's uh when it's being able to move down below from the cognitive by holding one foot at one foot out with that cognitive ha- you know brain working you're also really dropping in to a place where we trust that we can go with our go with the flow really
0: Jen, I just wanted to ask, before we talk about the drum and the show and its processes a yeah. little bit more, I just wanted to ask you, what is the range of your company's disabilities?
1: Yeah. So we are, um, we don't, well, so what, what I can say is we don't work with um, people with profound and multiple learning disabilities. So that's, that, I think that's a whole other skill set. There are companies who are brilliant at that, and, um, you know, Bamboozle, and um, Oily Cart, and there's a, there's a whole host of really, you know, really good practitioners and companies. And that work tends to be, in you know, a very sensory and immersive and made for, made for their um, PMLD audience. Where our focus is, is with um, neurodiverse actors and participants, those on the autistic spectrum, um, we have people with Down syndrome, people with moderate learning dis- disabilities, moderate to mild. The classifications have changed more recently, and it's quite hard. We've, 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 it's quite hard to pin people into those categories. But essentially, people who are able to join the group independently. And um, we do have a, um, a young woman who is a wheelchair user, and she is more cognitively able than many. Of our actors and sort of accesses the work slightly differently, but again, we adapt the work to her. And so we are a physical theatre company, but you know, that doesn't mean that you have to be on your two feet to be physical. Um, there's many ways of being physical, but that's where we that's where we focus the work. So people who can come in, um, and be in the group, independently, and work as uh, work as an ensemble. So we don't have support workers in the room. We have our creative enablers. Sometimes a support worker or a family member might be in the cafe for a little while, for a few weeks, just in case. But that usually disappears, (laughs) the just in case disappears, often within about two weeks. Yeah. And so that's the tone, if you like, the tone of the company is of independence and other groups do other things and meet the needs of other people. And that's brilliant, but that's where we've chosen to focus.
0: Right. So, so once somebody transitions into Hmm. the company ensemble, how is that actor training then formulated and what process or journey of development do they then yeah, move on that's to? That's
1: a great question. That again has, I worked a lot with Vanessa Brooks from Dark Horse Theatre, who's now, she was artistic director at Dark Horse Theatre up in Huddersfield, and they do an amazing actor training programme. And she formulated an approach called the silent approach. And um, she's no longer the, that artist director there, um, but she um, became a mentor for me, and we worked together quite a lot in the early days of Hubbub developing the actor training and she's now gone on to start separate doors which is a fantastic initiative about access to training and access to professional opportunity for learning disabled actors and that's uh, there's four companies who are part of that so it's us access all areas hijinks and dark horse and she also works with rada and the national theater and all the big names she's got all the big names engaged in trying to make get this get this work out there and tell people about you know, amazing lend disabled actors, and it is possible. So I worked a lot with her, and we looked at the what was needed and the structure, and she also, within her silent approach, there were a lot of parallels with the way that I'd developed the hubbub way, and that had stemmed from my drama and movement therapy training as well. It come from the Sesame approach around ritual and uh, embodying and being really present and opening up um, an empty space if you like for the creative process and she had a very similar thing and about authenticity So the actor training will from the community group some of that will happen But if somebody then comes into actor training we begin to look more um, With more focus on presence and being able to hold yourself as an actor your your body lot We use lab and movement to develop a movement vocabulary we really do spend quite a lot of time on 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 neutral finding neutral which uh Vanessa once said to me if your actors find neutral then you're winning because that's one of the hardest things to do so a lot of time in neutral some work on the voice that we haven't done an awful lot on the voice but we're bringing that in some more which is great um and then there'll be exploration devising ensemble work we sometimes have different artists or different companies come in to do a a skills based but also creative process and then if we're entering into a phase where we're making work then the rehearsal process becomes part of the training so it's very active, it's very vocational so elements of core skills, ensemble work and then what is it like to be part of a theatre ensemble how do we work together, what are the challenges so that also involves learning how to reflect back, learning how to give and receive feedback, positive and negative, Um, learning what else is needed in the rehearsal process in order to make a piece go from an idea onto the stage. So it's it's really, it's hands on, get involved kind of training. And as I said, we've just come through the first cohort and it's a question now, I've, I've got questions about how we develop And what, you know, I don't have any answers right now, but I'm constantly reflecting, constantly reflecting on, on what the next, what's the most meaningful way forward. I never want anything to become tokenistic or just have cohorts of people coming through the door and then going out the other side and then just leaving people with no, nowhere to go. I have to just realize it probably comes back to when I first went to university and did drama at Central. I did that. And then I came out the other side and had no idea what I was supposed to do. So I don't ever want to do that to anybody to say, well, you've done a training. There you go. Have a certificate. Off you go. So we're looking now at the the, the hubbub theatre company itself. So those actors who are ready and who have really worked at their stamina and their skills, um, they're ready for the next step and so now we're looking at professional opportunity with us and outside with other companies and thankfully slowly 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 the world is opening up a little bit (laughs) despite covid i've had more phone calls about from casting agents looking for a learning disabled actor than i ever have slowly the profile is raising i'm hopeful because of the Arts Council agenda and you know, the lots of the, the spotlights on diversity um, and access and the, you know, we shall not be removed movement and many good things that have happened this year, we can, we can start to put more of our actors in a more visible place.
0: Yeah, so is there a moment where you're then encouraging members to journey onward away from hubbub uh and where where does that moment happen you know it.
1: yeah that's all well, we haven't had that yet and it's an interesting one so if i look at a model if i look at dark horse for example so the actors will actually remain company members and they will continue to go to, to dark horse and to continue their practice and that's a really important part of it because again just to say well you've done your training with us now bye bye it, just to go to a, a CPD workshop amazing, wouldn't be accessible for a learning disabled actor. So our role continues beyond the training. It continues. We become almost that the, the, the work. We are the workplace for those actors. So as well as offering CPD um, and ongoing training and meaningful creative activity, which works on many levels, you know, as professionals and as being well people, um, I, feel, I see that our role will continue. So even if there was an opportunity outside of Hobob, if some a theatre, Derby Theatre said, "Hey, Sarah said I want to learn to actor," so we'd do an audition process and somebody was wanted. Hobob will still support that actor, and the access needs. So, for if, if an actor was recruited who needed a um, BSL interpreter, that would happen. If an actor was recruited who needed a ramp, that would happen. Our actors need a creative enabler and because it's communication is, is the barrier and often rehearsal rooms, audition processes, life in general goes too fast and there are too many words. And so, I mean, it was wonderful to hear Sarah on Departure Lounge and the panel discussion talking about slowing down and that the pace, and Lynn Gardner saying the pace of this year has suited many disabled artists. And it's true. And it also suits me. I know, I, I also get overwhelmed and oversensitized um, by too many words, too much stuff. So I think that I'm quite suited to working in my field because I, I do have a sensory a sensory sensitivity. And um but our, so our role will be, and, and it'll be interesting as this as this develops, to take our actors to opportunity. Anna like, a couple of years ago had an audition with Extraordinary Body. She's an amazing physical performer, a circus artist. Um and She's, you know, on our not so quite revolution of kind of she's the one up in the air doing the straddle splits and she's she's wonderful. So she auditioned and we went. And we did take mom at one point, and that was we were the bridge for her. And I was and I also was in the room as as this work was happening to if something was being communicated in a way that Anna couldn't understand then my job, or if it was Emily who was there, sometimes a creative enabler, we would say, Anna, what mm -mm is asking you is, and then we would just simplify the question or sometimes just model it. So the the role of the creative enabler, and that is the access need, is to be able to understand or have a good relationship with the, the actor. And it is about relationship there's no one answer you know people say how do I work with somebody with the learning disability so get to know them (laughs) well like you know yeah of course there's a few things that are important use less words slow down tune in you know but get to know them so that's I think that's that's where our aim is that hobbub in in the next phase of work now We'll begin to, we will begin to profile our actors on our website and more publicly. And then if somebody, if an opportunity comes, we will support that actor out there. And then we'll, we'll learn as we go along, which is what we always do. We learn, we'll, we'll come up against some challenges, we'll figure them out. But as long as other organisations, mainstream venues, or whoever is programming or looking for artists, are willing to slow down and work alongside us and find out then we can all sort of really make a big difference
0: yeah, where did you find or how did you develop that title or that role of a creative enabler? How did that come around? Is that um, an idea from a company's other companies that you've worked with, or is that something that's or is that something that's organic to hubble mm.
1: Uh, that's a good question i don't i didn't come up with the name and i can't remember which company did it's a widely used name now i know access all areas use it and open theater do um there are many yeah and the creative minds is a national network of learning disabled arts organizations of all different um, art forms so it's become a, a known name i've always known that we needed extra people in the room and when we had extra people in the room it, it, because of the working alongside and the modelling and the uh, nature of the integrated work, so not just having learn disabled people in the room all the time, and also on that very practical note of safety and safeguarding, and it just takes more people in the room, so you can have your facilitator. So, and we tend to have now two co-facilitators and a creative enabler. And in terms of managing a room, modeling a room, being alongside, reading, reading the meta communication. So what's happening, what's being communicated, but it's not verbally. Um, that's always happened. And I, in my drama and movement therapy training as well, we didn't go out alone. We worked in twos because you can see something. And when you're working intuitively, you might feel it, but you have to question it because obviously we've all got our own stuff. So is that that me having a reaction to that or is that something that somebody's communicated to me? So if we work together, we can talk that through and go, did you get that? I felt this, what was happening there? So that the extra people just fabulous. And, and they're brilliant, at, you know, oh, quickly, we needed this, we needed that. It's almost having a, you know, an assistant stage manager in the room all the time. And so then I just I started using that. I heard the phrase creative enabler. I thought, what well, a brilliant phrase. Every, this is, this is um, when we're trying to talk about the access requirements and access needs of learning disabled artists as a national movement. If we're all starting to use the same language, that's really helpful.
0: Yeah. So I. Yeah. And have you found that through the through the design of your methodologies and your processes that you are creatively enabling your company members to voice when they particularly have an idea that needs some support from your enablers in order to to bring it into into reality into fruition is that a is that a conversation that your members are having with you in the rehearsal room? Because I think that's a universal devising methodology, isn't it, for somebody to say, I have this idea, I don't know how to make it happen, or I may need some support in order to make this idea happen. Who in the room can support me or listen to my idea in order to bring (laughs) it into creation?
1: It does take place, but it will take place in many different forms. So... And I've got lots of examples to this question that will run across a whole spectrum. So we have one actor who's got a film he wants to make and he can articulate that. He knows what he wants to make. He's written, he's written a film story, film. It's not a script, but he has the outline of a story. He has uh, been on a workshop with me, Was Told by an Idiot, about we went down to London together. His brother create, His brother supported him. Um, and they, we went for, his brother supported him with the comp, but staying with him, I supported him as creative enabler in the room. So there was those. And then, uh, so we worked with, um, Paul Hunter on the cool cousin workshop, which is about the relationship between cinema and theater. So that was great. We've worked with, we made a film with told by an idiot as well. And, um, Barrett was the lead in that and led a lot on the role of that, that film, but he has a film to make. And he, we, have, we will help him make that film. He doesn't want to make it now. He wants to make it after lockdown. And we're just looking for bits of funding. But he is very much the driver of that project. A um, couple of other actors can also articulate that. I want to do that. I'd like to create this. And so we can follow it. Some of the actors won't and don't do that. However, their offerings um, are really then it's almost like we need to generate a space where we trigger the thinking or we ask a certain question. It needs to be elicited. The responses need to be elicited and then we can follow. Other people are just really, really happy being in an ensemble. So it's it's many different things. And then um, Izzy is a training as a stage manager, assistant stage manager. She's learned, learned, she's, she's really now, pretty much you know she's a support facilitator and a creative enabler for the school's work
0: how much do the aspirations of the company members shape your program or the offer for the company members is it an open dialogue between yourselves and those members in relation to they may voice that these are particular skills that they want to strengthen or develop and that's how you pram your program of learning? Or is it something that you put together, trial it, and then see whether or not actually the right skills are being developed in order to create a show and, and develop your participants?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a hot, what did I say, half It's definitely a mixture. So we will, when we were beginning to work on the drum, we weren't working on the drum. We just said, what, what should we make the next piece of theatre about? Through some ideas around love. Everybody wants to talk about love. So that's where we began. Um, so we started from love. And then as an exploration together, we looked at different types of love. And then we came upon agape, the biggest love for humankind. Big love. And everybody was quite excited about this big love because romantic love is complicated, it? and there's lots of plays about that. But we all got really excited about big love, and then we came into kindness, and then we started to talk about that. And then we started looking at the random acts of kindness movement. So we were researching together, exploring there was talking, there was moving, there was watching some different bits of you know films, lots of different explorations, and from that came what I call now Hubbub's kindness period, but I don't think our kindness period is actually going to ever end. Um, <laughs> but we will always have other well, focuses, but the kindness will run forever. As before, it was about harmony and that will never end either. Um, but we we'll just start to stack them up. <laughs> so from, yeah, from there, we go into the not the so quiet revolution of kindness. And we, we just all looked at things together and things can get rejected or they can get accepted or other things can come in. So it's all just a bit, you know, like good devising process. It's a bit messy, yeah, a bit fluid. And then I found this story of um, various books and I found the story of the drum and I just read it and said, what do you think? And then the response was, yes, we like that. But when we started to not use the traditional story, just look at the themes of the human needs, the human givens, um the need for shelter, the need for warmth, the need for food, the need for connection. So we pulled away again from anything too set in any cultural or social setting, just to come back to being human. And then we can all relate to that. And then we explored and a beautiful scene happened um with Tom, one of our actors and We we were asking people just to draw some of the things from the rehearsal process so that we could see what was happening in their imaginations and their psyches. just to draw some images. And Tom drew this picture and it was a, a man and it was all icy blue and there were all these jagged edges around it. And actually that was where the scene, the shivering man started from. It started from his drawing. So then we took him and we said, okay, you be that part of the drawing. And these these jaggedy shapes around the edges what is it and he started shivering and so we started to move and to shiver with him and then we started to build up this physical scene i think we made that scene in about an hour and it hasn't changed since it was so powerful it was like poof, poof, poof. there it is it was all it was his he owns it he loves it that's his character and then we started playing it with object manipulation around it with helen and um You know the beautiful gecko style of bringing objects and flying around about this man losing his job losing his keys losing his house losing his family and left shivering in a box um but it was just that's i would say probably one of my favorite devising moments it was so truthful and tom's connection to that character is extraordinary because it came yeah it came from right beside him
0: (laughs) So along with the drawing and the illustration, what other devising methodologies do you rely on on a frequent basis to, to generate work?
1: Yeah, lots of moving, lots and lots of moving, mirroring.
0: And sorry, what does, so what does that look like? How do you go about practically delivering that?
1: It really varies. Um it would it might well, we do a lot of work around lab and first of all to get the basic movement skills we do a lot of mirroring and shadowing we might then um take a scene or an idea and think about an emotion and start to move with that different emotion or you know sometimes we would just break into a small group and have a facilitator or a creative enabler in each small group and we'd figure things out and say you know let's try this and what would you like to do and so finding ideas in the small groups, there's so many different ways. I'd say that probably, you know, very similar to a, another rehearsal room. However, the communication is just, it's just very different about how we're doing it and the observations around the ideas being gathered from from the movement. And I will then go away and have a big pile of paper on the floor and i draw the script is like full of diagonals and zigzags and lines because they're actually patterns and shapes of movement so there are very few words and uh there it's um inesh works with us now but previously we worked with matt marks and and i would have this this big pile of paper with shapes and dots and squiggles on it and i'd say matt that's the script he went yeah brilliant and off he went and played shapes and dots and squiggles in his music i mean, he's absolutely he's not with us anymore he's a wonderful musical genius and um and Ineshas too which is marvelous but that, that's sort of we're playing on these impulses of what then the musician will for example we we'll, we'll drop a a character let's say the old lady for example and we'll start moving and we'll all be moving as the old lady and then the musician start adding some sound and then we might drop in a little idea and then just exploring and then pulling things out and watching and then the actors will watch each other and feedback and we video a lot a lot um always have done even before lockdown videos photos so to because of the the, the, the processing of information is different M- my memory is terrible basically so I'm <laughs> for me too we have just got our catalog so then we'll come back and we'll look at the next the next rehearsal, some of the photos, or we'll set that as a task at home. Look at the photos, what works, what doesn't work, what do you like? And you seem to find that some of the actors will really just get, if something feels right for them, they will just hold it and want to do it and, and just know that that works for me. Sometimes that can be a challenge artistically, if that doesn't quite fit. So we have to have a negotiation process, as any director would in a devising process. Um, So yeah, trying to capture as much visual, visual um, material as possible.
0: So how far were you through the development and creation process for the drum?
1: (laughs) We had, so we were in creative development and we'd had three intensive rehearsals scheduled and we'd also been working in actor training in between. We had done two intensive rehearsals. So we gathered, quite a good bit of material and I was just watching some of it before this interview actually going oh goodness me that was lovely in that room <laughs> got me quite uh, got me quite emotional because we've all been just looking what how can we get through this year what's happening next so to look back at that rehearsal space and what we were doing so we would got a good framework and we had we were very excited about the third intensive rehearsal that was going to happen in May and that was also going to involve some Hubbub Way training with our, our company and with Gecko Actors coming up as well. We were going to do a lovely skill share with them. So that didn't happen, um, but we did have an online sharing. And I mean, that is that is available as well. And the films are available on our website to have a look at. Um, and in that we thought, oh, quirky we've got a really good, got a really good sense of what this piece is the story of this boy and his journey, and his journey through to adulthood, and his it's almost like a quest, he's on a quest. And uh, he he finds, well, his mother, we set it in austerity and his mother's struggling and she can't give him the drum that he really, really wants. But she does find a stick and she gives the boy a stick. And obviously that really, for a teenage lad, that's really not doing it. so but he's got this stick but we're wondering uh, we're wondering about a number of things about this stick about it being an almost a portal into this journey of his his uh (laughs) his discovery of himself and the whole story is guided by these agents of kindness who look like 1930s spies with the overcoats on and the the hats and they tell the story they're going to carry the story on Now, i'm very very influenced by knee-high theatre company and uh you know they, they they blew my mind um when I first saw Tristan and Isolde years and years ago the little Hammersmith. and the unloved the chorus of the Unloved, and this idea it's almost Greek in itself that there's a chorus that tells the story but this chorus are actually quite clown they're clowns as well so they capture that essence of uh you know, oh life is hard but life is beautiful, life is cruel, but life is kind. So we're just playing with this with the with the agents who will guide the the audience and the boy through this story. Um, where he meets different characters and there's interactions and he gives characters what they need with the phrase, you need it more than I. And that's what that's the only we think that's the only spoken word in the piece, you need it more than I. Everything else is nonverbal. Um so yeah we yes I'm talking too much. <laughs> um, we are going back into development we so we've saved a bit of money we're going to make a film of the agents of kindness so we have a digital thing and then we're just applying for the make the piece but we're looking at taking it outdoors just for you know many many reasons as you can probably understand and um We have been fortunate enough to get funding for an outdoor structure. And we're looking at it being more like an event. So given the current times, the needs of the current times, the need to reconnect for community, we wanted to get back into the heart of communities, but we want to be able to go somewhere and set up and there'll be a caravan of creativity which will engage people in different things, whether it's cooking or bunting making and then the bunting becomes there two meter distance or it will everything that we, that people can come along and make as a as part of our community So i was i find it quite odd when we talk about community as separate as we are it we will create a community for that time and then there'll be the play and outdoors but these roaming agents of kindness and then the piece will be embedded in that but the final scene is a party so that will be a party so it's almost like a mini festival Mini, mini. So literally, you come out feeling like you've been through a process, been through an alchemical process. You've come out changed because you've had this experience. You've tasted that. You've smelt that. You've seen that. You've heard that. Your senses are alive. And hopefully the story will capture people. So we want to go back into that process in the spring when hopefully things are okay to do that. And um, then share that work in the summer, and then look to take it out next summer and meet different people. And, you know, kindness is on everybody's tongue this year, which is amazing. So we feel that our revolution, you know, worked. <laughs> everybody's saying kindness. We need it.
0: And you're also looking at putting together smartest training as well. What does that look like? It
1: will involve looking at the key areas of, of creating a a space uh, an accessible and safe space to work Um, the details of it again i'm still working on them but i I led a workshop also with derby theater facilitators in january and as i was observing the the responses to the work i kind of wrote down three key the key areas of how we manage how we manage a room and how we manage ourselves because i also firmly believe that and this, again, came through training as a drama and movement therapist, that we are, we are our tool when we're in theatre. We don't have the instrument or the, you know, the paintbrush. Or we can have bits and balls, but essentially when we're walking into a rehearsal space before all the other stuff comes in, we are the tool. And so for a facilitator to reflect on what do they bring into that room? How much of that space are you already filling before we even begin? So how do we really look after ourselves and well-being again always coming back to that well-being how do you look after yourself how do you manage your own energy your own responses your own life that might be falling apart on the other side of this door how can you walk through here and in this ritual that essentially we'll be we'll, that's what we'll be training in the, the process of doing that how do you then create this space collectively for you know this this creative process to happen, and then we'll also look at, as I said, ritual. We'll look at nonverbal communication styles. We'll be looking at how to manage a room nonverbally. When a room is dying, when the energy's going, how do you pick it up without going, "Hey, everyone!" Da, 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 with no words, how do you pick it up with no words? How do you bring a room down from chaos with no words? So, a lot of that as well.
0: Amazing. So how do people sign up? How, how do they do get involved? Sign up.
1: Not the first one. There will be a pilot, but however, if we knew that people were really keen practitioners, we'd love to hear from them. And I think anybody who wants to find out more or know there then may be I could run you know, if there was interest, I can run an open workshop. I very much function on demand. But this as this pilot process happens, then there will in the future be an open training for sure whether that's towards the end of this year or the beginning of 2022 that will happen but there may be that we have some smaller workshops and if people are interested they just need to have a look at our website and the email is on there or which is hubbubtheatre.org or email info at hubbubtheatre.org and we'll there we'll get back really
0: could i just ask now that time <laughs> has obviously moved forward from when you were originally curating this this work for your show, The Drum, how has that work now responded to being in a different time? Has that changed anything for you? Has it been able to give you a little bit more room for reflection and maybe sharpen some of the ideas or modify them in any sort of way so that this I guess so this new version of that show is responsive to now it's not necessarily a reworking of a piece that was responsive to then pre-pandemic
1: great so that yeah I think the themes of the drum as well looking at reworking it and taking it outdoors and how it fits into this post-covid world where kindness and acceptance are needed more than ever. We're also looking the themes of the drama are also about sharing and resource sharing and um, it, embedded in our company and even more so now is the need to be environmentally responsible. Um, for me and many of our artists it's, it's just a no-brainer that's it that is what we have to do now we have to respect our planet so everything we do from the resources we use to the way we travel to the message within our piece is got that at the back of it. And I think for me going outdoors, working in connection with nature as well, we're looking at the company being, being more in tune with the cycles of the year. I know like on a practical sense that we, we we're better performing and touring in April, May, June, July. Oh, it's hot and it's warm. Then we're better you know, reflecting in the winter. So we're beginning to follow a natural pattern, which I think is a healthy process of getting in tune with our bodies individually, in tune with our world around us and, and to nature, you know, we are literally going to hibernate for two weeks. hobob is hibernating for two weeks in winter because rest, restoration... And the arts, we are so all passionate and we're all driven and we can just keep, keep going. And we have, I Hope we'll have this phrase, with your hands like a butterfly, keep it going with kindness. And it's like, yes, we will keep it going, but we also need to rest. And um, so that's, I think, becoming more, it will become a more powerful message in our work as well. We live on this earth. We have one earth. We all really need to think about that and everything we do, how we act, how we live how we make theatre has to be uh, respectful of the planet.
0: Jen, what I've enjoyed so much today is listening to you talk about your methodologies and your practice and how you work with your company and the ethos that is so embedded in the work that you create on, on every single level and and just how universal those themes are even though on the outside your theatre company may appear to be what some people might class as specialist, is is only a very, very short-sighted way of categorising the work that you do with your company. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it, it's been so inspiring listening no. to you. And, and it's
1: That's lovely, thank you. And it's also, I think, if you're working on that level about just being human, I'm hoping that people will relate to it and people will come and get involved in it who wouldn't normally, especially outdoors as well. It's like it, it won't, it will lose some of the, um, you know, the bits and bobs around the edges of going to the theatre that sometimes get in the way for people, the barriers of, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I completely agree. Well, all I can say is thank you so much for your time today. I'm really, really grateful for you sharing with me how you work, your practice, the stories of the wonderful people that you work with and, and get the opportunity to make fantastic theatre and art with. So so thank you very much. Um, and I hope this is the start of an ongoing conversation and documentation of of hubbub's journey so thank you very much
1: oh it's been a pleasure i feel quite just it's just lovely to just sit back and talk about it all and remember so thank you for the opportunity it's lovely it's lovely to talk to you